So when I got into real estate, I wasn't, I was never a person of not taking risks. And I think that kind of stemmed from, so I, I started being bullied in middle school, high school, through most of those years, and then in college, which is why I even got into MMA. And MMA kind of built more of a tougher personality for me. So I never had an issue with taking risk or doing something. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Ray Woods. Ray is from a small town in South Mississippi. Uh, he moved to Georgia in 2016 and started his real estate journey there. Um, Ray, I'm going to stop there in terms of the intro because I actually want to let you tell your story. But first, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for uh, being here on the show. Thanks for taking the time uh, this recording on a Saturday morning. So I, I appreciate you giving up a piece of your weekend to spend time and tell the listeners your stories. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, Jason, you know, definitely good morning. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you. Why don't we start with just that, having you tell your story, tell the listeners kind of your background, and um, and then we'll dive in from there. Yeah, sure. So like you said, I am from South Mississippi, small town. Uh, the neighborhood is called Catahoula, so nobody knows what that is. So I typically just tell everybody I'm from Biloxi, Gulfport, Mississippi area. So 10 minutes from the water, water is about a little bit darker the color of my background on the on the call here. So it's not really <laughs> too intriguing to go to the beach there. But yeah, I'm from South Mississippi, right, exactly. And I ended up going to community college. I went there. I was playing football there for about a year or so, got injured, decided to just go ahead and transfer. Ended up going to Ole Miss for my mechanical engineering degree. And basically, after I graduated, it was all about climbing the corporate ladder and until I started being introduced to entrepreneurship and got into real estate soon uh, after. Awesome. And so as you were sort of climbing that corporate ladder, how, how did you get introduced to real estate? What was your you know, kind of first taste? What, how, did, how did you get started? So this was interesting. So I, when I graduated in 2015, I was working for an automotive company and there was this lady that worked in the scrap dock. And I wanted to go back to school to get my master's in sports science or sports engineering. I was an athlete in school. I played football. I ran track. I fought MMA for a few years. So it was very, it was like my passion to still stay in sports, even though I wasn't competing and kind of have an engineering side to that. And so I was talking to the lady. She introduced me to this guy out of Denver, Colorado, because Denver, Colorado was one of the schools that offered sports engineering. I was going to get my master's in. I ended up connecting with this guy and we're talking. And when I went home one uh, holiday, it was Thanksgiving. I was outside on the phone with this guy. Now, I never met him, never seen him in person, really didn't know much of who he was. I researched. He was like one of the deans of the school there. He's pretty high up at the campus. And he was a multimillionaire. Didn't even know that either. We was talking on the phone for about four or five hours. 
And he was basically telling me, you need to get into entrepreneurship. You need to learn about digital marketing. You need to look at these entrepreneurs. He was giving me a bunch of names like Robert F. Smith, Lonnie Johnson, uh, Robert Kiyosaki popped up, like a bunch of different people. And he said, you need to study these people. You need to understand how this works. I knew nothing of it. And so I went down this rabbit hole <laughs> in the first book, which is what most people end up coming across was Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book that I started reading. And I ended up becoming obsessed with money, how it worked, because in my household, nobody understood money. Nobody knew how to even budget. Finances wasn't all that great. Me graduating, making 55000 a year was most money, well, more money than most people in my neighborhood. So understanding money, understanding entrepreneurship, understanding marketing, understanding real estate, all different types of things kind of led me to go that path of learning about real estate more from that book uh, Robert Kiyosaki made. And that started with a lady in the scrap doc. You never know who you know, right? <laughs> yeah. Who you come across. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great point. And it's, it's kind of funny because people uh, in the space, in real estate space, will often talk about, you know, just make sure you just always talking about what you're doing, what you're, what, where you're trying to get that kind of thing, because for exactly the reason you just described, you just never know who's going to be like, Oh, connect me. You know, I know this person. And and so I think um, a lot of people are sometimes uncomfortable, you know, sort of talking about even what they do, but, but especially when it comes to money, people uh, don't, don't necessarily like having money conversations they don't necessarily mm -hmm. like um you know sort of talking to people about what they what they make or what they want to make or what their aspirations for, you know financially are and i think a lot of that comes down to kind of what you mentioned is people don't they don't understand money and it, it, they don't understand how to uh make it work for them and and they don't want to right. there it's it's a little bit scary and it's uh uncomfortable to talk about something you don't necessarily know how it works so right um, and, and i told I, in my in my household I, I give this discussion all the time even to my mom to this day you know one of the biggest reason a lot of host, households split up is because of finances mm -hmm. yep. if money wasn't an issue then a lot of problems would be solved in the household and so even if it hurts you know, the conversation needs to be had and we have discussions. I do the budgeting in my household for the finances. I'll bring my wife in here and we'll go through the spreadsheet. I'll be like, this is what's happening. Here's where we can spend money. Here's where we can't. Here's what we can't do. Here's what we can do. And basically lay down the ground rules at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, they're important conversations to have and, and uh, again, uncomfortable. But I think a lot of times, you know, sort of those, <laughs> it's those uncomfortable conversations that are, you know, sort of most uh, most important to have. Um, Ray, what happened, you know, sort of after your conversation with this gentleman, what, wh where did you go from there? What, what was, your, what were your next steps? So besides my mom and my wife coming outside, telling me to come inside and eat because the food <laughs> getting cold, <laughs> they was, you know, it was, I couldn't really focus much whenever I got back to the table. So I go back inside and my mind is just running crazy. And I'm just like, man, this guy is, I don't even know this guy. He, I had, I still have the notes in my phone that I wrote down having a discussion with this guy and I didn't sleep. I ate, but I didn't sleep. And you would think that after you eat, you have the food itis and you'd be able to sleep good. Nope. 
my brain was going. I wake up the next morning. I start researching more into this. I start researching, researching. As a few years go by, uh, at in Alabama at the time, I actually got into stocks for a period of time. So I started dabbling in stocks. I started day trading, and then I also did forex trading for a little bit. I started learning through uh, babypips.com, I believe that's the website. I started learning through there. Uh, I actually started getting into wholesaling or trying to network with people in Alabama to learn about wholesaling because I knew a few people out there that was in real estate just from going to a random networking event. And I, I didn't really have much physical help there. So I ended up buying a course from Fortune Builders. It was a $500 course on wholesaling. I basically was studying that and it, I really didn't go anywhere with it. And it wasn't because of the course was bad. It was just, I, I'm a person that I like to be hands-on. And I didn't have anybody hands on to do that. And so, uh, you know, we looked at different locations to move and we ended up making a, a trip just for a getaway to Atlanta. But the main reason we even went there was because Fortune Builders had that that two, three day event over the weekend. And as I went to that that event, my eyes even opened more because we start learning about taxes, learning about setting up entities, learning about different strategies of real estate. It was just a plethora of information. And so I'm like, okay, now we're going to go deeper in this rabbit hole. So then I started reading more of Robert's books. I started looking at the corruption of the financial system. I started understanding the fractional bank reserve. I started understanding credit. It, it was it was madness. And my stress level went up out the roof. <laughs> so, sounds, about, sounds about right. <laughs> and it was just a, a journey of understanding money as a whole and figuring out what why is it that I don't have this money or why is it that money is just floating around in the air and how do I, how do I get it? How can I grab some of this money? And so whenever I got to Atlanta, we moved here in 2016, I started wholesaling physically with the group in Atlanta. And that's kind of where my journey started getting physical help from people and a group of people to kind of help me go through this business. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, you, I think I feel like what you described is is sort of that uh, that mindset shift that um, a lot of people go through where you, you're you see maybe you have a scarcity mindset around money you know you think there's not enough it's always kind of it's 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 a struggle to get there to realizing that um, or or switching to having an abundance mindset towards money where we're realizing that it that it's 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 out there that there's plenty of money to be had and, and you just need to figure out the ways to, to do it, um, you know, sort of most efficiently. And so then going ahead and getting around people that are doing what you want to do. So starting with wholesaling in, in kind of, did you, was that sort of a jumping off point for you? What, what's next in your uh, journey? So when I got into real estate, I wasn't, I was never a person of not taking risk. And I think that kind of stemmed from, so I, I started being bullied in middle school, high school through most of those years. And then in college, which is why I even got into MMA and MMA kind of built more of a tougher personality for me. So I never had an issue with taking risk or doing something. So basically I never really had a limiting belief on what I couldn't do. I just needed to figure out how to do it. That's all I needed. And so some of the times I would just go in head first, which I don't recommend. <laughs> I definitely recommend getting proper coaching. And it, I was kind of like a wildfire that needed to be controlled and contained to, to go along the right path, which is why I started looking for coaching 
physically. When I started in wholesaling in 2016, I did just that. I kind of was crazy. I went all over the place. I was even doing things like affiliate marketing and all this other stuff. I was still researching, just trying to get some type of money. And at the time, when I came to Georgia, I was unemployed. And being unemployed was enjoyable because I kind of got tired of working in corporate, dealing with politics and and all of this type of stuff there. And I enjoyed that period of time. Unfortunately, I had to go back to work. But at the time, I was enjoying it, and I was out showing houses for investors. I was basically working with them to try to sell their house. I was out looking for deals myself, so I was driving for dollars. I was putting signs up out in the neighborhood. I was trying to get leads in and pull things together, make some deals happen. And I had about four or five deals that actually fell through. And all those months of pushing and grinding and waking up early, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm quitting. I, I just, I said, I'm quitting. I said, I'm quitting. I went back to work uh, for an engineering company, Japanese Automotive. And I took a long break. I took a long, long break to try to basically figure out what's going on. Because I, I was dealing with the stress of not having money the household. I was dealing with the stress of trying to figure out why this entrepreneur thing ain't working. And then I was dealing with the stress of having to go back in corporate and deal with politics. <laughs> so it was it was a definite change of, of mindset there that I had to endure in order to come back to the game. Because ultimately, I came back to real estate, which is what I enjoy doing. I enjoy doing financial analysis. I enjoy looking at a project going from, you know, bad to awesome and you know, those things are exciting to me. And so 2020 is when I came back into real estate. And within like three months, I closed like three or four deals back to back. And I'm like, well, why didn't this happen back then? <laughs> yeah. Timing. Uh, sometimes the timing just isn't right. Right. It's it's not because not for lack of effort, not for, you know, necessarily anything that you did. But I think it does it does speak to you know kind of the the willingness to stick it out and and um i think you know I, i'm a big proponent of 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 never quitting and i think but i do think a break is okay right it's you know mm -hmm. sometimes you have to reset and figure out and and at some point you do need some money to live on so if that means you know you have to get a job then that's that is okay and i think a lot of there's a lot of um I don't know if it's pressure or what, but, but a lot of like, Oh, we, you go into real estate cause you gotta, cause you gotta quit your job. That's, that's the whole goal behind it. And it's sometimes um, people lose sight of the, you know, sort of value of having that W2 job, what, what it can do for you, uh, you know, consistent income, um, you know, maybe health insurance, maybe uh, even just the, the network. So I think that there's a lot to it. Um, and it's, it's finding whatever balance works for you. And I think there's, you know, maybe, maybe had you not quit, you would have closed those deals two months later in, in 2016, who, who knows what happens, but it's ultimately you went, went back to it, uh, found success and it's, it's just a, a, um, demonstration of the fact that, you know, sort of real estate is a, is a, um, a slow game and and trying to to think that it's going to be you know sort of a get rich quick overnight scheme is it's just not 
It's just not. Yeah, that's that's not the case. And that, yeah. that's kind of how I operated when I was there. But at the same time, I think at that period of time while I wasn't closing deals, it was because I was hurting. I was I was hungry. I was financially unstable yeah. and I was trying to make something happen so bad that it was kind of like I was forcing it, which is why it didn't happen. And then when I came back and I was working and then things were kind of stable, then the deals started closing. I was closing deals while I was working. Like I got a video on my YouTube channel while I'm on the phone with my partner and he's at the closing attorney's office and they're cutting a check for me. So <laughs> it's like, you know, things kind of leveled out once, you know, the financial. And I tell everybody too, you know, this, the, the thing people get tripped up on is following these gurus. And I say this because I ended up doing the same thing. I was following these big gurus that were at a point where they can't really understand, I would say any more, but they can't really understand the people that was way down here. And it's hard for them to understand that because they're making a ton of money. They have all these resources. They have this big network. But somebody that doesn't have all of that, you know, how can they really flourish? And honestly, the best thing that you could do is to get a job. And even to this day, I still work in a job. But at the same time, you also have to make some sacrifices after work to make it to where if you want this business to work for you. You need to work on it after you leave. So then you can eventually leave corporate and go do what you want to do, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. There's it's it's just it's just finding that balance. And I, I think I love the point that you brought up about, you know, sort of maybe the the that you were hurting, that you know, sort of the the desperation. I think that's that's the thing that I see, you know, in, in the syndication space. It's something that I think the people that uh are good at raising capital, it's it's because they are coming from a place of the truly offering opportunities, finding pain points for investors and trying to solve them and not looking at it from, I have to get this done. And if I don't get it done, it's a big problem for me. Right. It's it, yeah. it, so it, and I think that can apply to sort of any sort of deal, right? Like the best salespeople aren't coming at it. You know, if, if you, if you have that desperation feel whoever you're selling to is going to, is going to know that they're going to, it's, it's not hard to <laughs> realize the difference between someone who's, who's truly selling you something or offering you something or whatever it is, because they think it benefits you versus here I am trying to, trying to make something happen for myself. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's a great point that you brought up about that, that just, you know, you were not at the right point to make the deal happen because of your own, you know, sort of situation and, and feelings yep. of um, desperation. So, um, well, that was, so that was in 2020. What, what has been going on since then? What, where, where did you go from there? Man, it's been, it's been a crazy ride. It's been definitely a crazy ride. This business is not as easy as people make it to seem. Trying to be a full-time entrepreneur is not what they say on the internet. It's completely false. So don't listen to them. Yeah. But since 2020, when I closed those deals, I wanted to get to the point of building up cash flow because I still kept in my mind from Rich Dad Poor Dad and a bunch of other financial books I've read. And I said, let me look for ways to, to build capital or to build some cash flow. And so I used some of the money from the wholesaling to kind of pay off some debt that I had. And then I was able to get more capital through just applying for credit cards. And I was able to use some of that credit to furnish uh, my first Airbnb. And so I ended up getting into the Airbnb space with my partner. 
Uh, he manages that particular property uh, for me. And we basically, I think it was about $15,000, $18,000 or so that took to furnish a luxury Airbnb here in Atlanta. It's right next to the Mercedes Dome. So it's in a good location. Uh, it rents out decent. It definitely is a roller coaster ride because you're dealing with people of all different walks of life. So you kind of have to manage that aspect. And when I got into Airbnb, I said, okay, this is great. I'm getting some cash flow. You know, we had maybe one or two months that wasn't so good, but every other month was positive cash flow. And after I got into that, I started trying to slide over to multifamily. I knew about multifamily because I was studying one of, uh, I took one of Grant Cardone's course and I actually met him, I think 2017, I want to say, when I met him at a, at a growth con along with a bunch of other people. And, you know, whenever I got into multifamily, I kind of had a gist of the business, understanding NOI, understanding cap rates. I'm all, I'm already an engineer in, in my career job. So I do financial analysis at work. I do process improvements. And so I kind of took some of those traits over to real estate and said, I want to understand more about underwriting and looking at deals from a financial perspective. And so I ended up joining the GOB network and me and a small group of people formed Goya 7 Capital, what you see in the back. And Goya 7 Capital, our purpose is to basically educate people in multifamily real estate and help individuals get a, a return on their money definitely better than any other market <laughs> right now, at least sustainable, because, you know, the stock market is going crazy and, and even crypto market is crazy. So we basically started going over to the multifamily space. What happened was we ended up going through a year or two with no deals. And we either tried to syndicate deals or we tried to find deals ourselves. And what we was having issues with was battling big companies, battling big companies that were liquid enough to get into deals that did not pencil out, battling people who just wanted to have tax advantages with properties that did not pencil out. So we had to change our, our kind of strategy there. So we kind of slid over to fewer units for the property. So maybe 20 to 100 units versus going after like these big two, 300 unit properties. So we kind of started small. And I would recommend that for everybody is to kind of start small. So you understand, especially if you're working with new people, you want to be able to understand how those individuals work with you on something small before you get into something big, because you don't want to get in the bed with a business partner and you're in something that big and you don't like doing business with them. That's not going to be fun. <laughs> That's not going to be fun. So Enduring that type of situation, if it was to happen on a five unit versus 150 unit, that's definitely a, you definitely want to do it that way. And so in March, we ended up closing on our, as a co-GP, we closed on our first property by raising capital because it wasn't our properties per se initially, but we raised capital, came in as a co-GP for a 186 unit deal in Phoenix, which was a big accomplishment for us. I was excited. I flew out there to the property in Arizona. We looked at it, you know, did some videos and stuff, talked to the management team and, and was kind of just getting to know them a little bit. That was exciting, you know? Yeah. And now at this point, we are raising capital for a 32 unit town home in Atlanta. It's right by the Beltline. And we are also getting ready to raise capital for a 106 unit apartment complex here in Atlanta as well. The only reason that worked was because they had a loan assumption <laughs> and the interest rates were pretty low. But that's kind of been the the ride right now. And it's been pretty interesting because I've, I've learned a lot. I'm still learning a lot. We're still underwriting deals. I've submitted probably 
10 LOIs in the past couple of weeks or so. So there's still a, a, a push to get more properties and build up the team together. Yeah, sure. And, and it's, I mean, you mentioned that it's, it's not as easy as it is. Uh, sometimes people put out there on, on the internet and social media and things like that. And I think the reality is that, you know, we had a, we had a, substantial market shift right so it wasn't not that it was easy before but it's a whole lot harder now than it was even a year ago so everybody's mm -hmm. kind of in that space of you know just trying to uh, reevaluate do the things that are um you know sticking to fundamentals and stuff but but you do you know in a, in a down market you've got to work uh, i heard someone say this at a conference but basically you know you got to work four times as hard to do to right. accomplish the same thing you were before. Uh, and so that's what a lot of people are doing. A lot of people are looking, I think at, um, you know, adjusting strategies, you mentioned, you know, looking at the smaller uh, properties. Uh -huh. I think that's, that's a great strategy. I, I think it, again, it just, it just points to the fact that real estate is very resilient. You need to, there's, there's, infinite number of ways to kind of find success within real estate. You just have to figure out mm -hmm. what works for you. Um, and then, and then go out there and put in the work. I mean, I, I think, it, I think it's really that simple. You just have to. Right. You know, and, pe and people, was, I had some people reach out to me like, man, how you get into a deal like that? And this, this and that. And it's like, man, I didn't know you was balling like that. And I said, I'm not balling to that point yet, <laughs> but it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's about the networking and, and the work you put in. And for a few of the deals we had, you know, when when it comes to networking with this market right now you have to figure out where you fit in the puzzle and you have somebody that's missing something and for there's a few people out here that i've networked in atlanta that have very good connections they have connections with the city mayor they have connections with the planning and development committee they have connections with uh, agents where they can get deals way below market value versus what somebody like me and my team come through being new to the, to the multifamily space. Yeah. But we have people that have the money on our side. And so now it's like, okay, I can see where we fit together. Mm -hmm. And so now you work with those people and that's how you get deals done. It's not about trying to go do everything by yourself because when I started learning this game, I realized there's nobody doing anything by themselves. It's very few people that's buying giant properties by themselves. It's not that many people that either is that liquid or want to put that much liquidity into a property without raising capital or maybe going through a bank. It's either through syndication or maybe a group of their own family or something is investing into a property. That's what I've seen. And so uh, I met with an individual out here who had those properties. I said, hey, we can help you raise capital. We may come across properties that we can buy collectively within our own group together to kind of build our portfolio and kind of build our credibility in the marketplace. And you meet people that have expertise in the field doing construction. You work with them. They just need deals. So it's like you have to find where you fit in the puzzle piece to start making these things work. Mm -hmm. If not, then you're not going to get anything. It's just, it just doesn't doesn't work out like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely true. And I think it's something that probably a lot of people don't know when they get into the space. It just, you, you just what what level of partnership is required, right? You may, you may have your own partners within your company, you know, within Goya 7, you've got partners, but but then you're gonna actually outside of that partner with other people and and people have, you're looking for partners with complementary strengths. And and that's really, uh -huh. you, know, you mentioned, you know, you, you, you guys are raising capital, you're, you're 
if someone has a deal, they're going to need capital. Uh, if, if someone needs, you know, it's a value add strategy apartment complex, they need someone to manage that asset management run construction, that might be another person like there's, there's just so many different roles within it that it's again, it's like, almost infinite spaces for people to fit in. And so you just need to really, like you said, find what, where you fit, where your spot is in that, you know, kind of <laughs> conglomerate of people that are needed mm -hmm. to, to take down these large apartment complexes. So I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great point and it, you know, sort of a great demonstration of what, uh, what really happens in the space generally as you said it's not usually just you know sort of one single person says i'm going to go buy myself this you know 200 unit apartment complex it's, right. it's really it's really a team it's a it's a team on the on the general partner side it's also a team because you're bringing in investors so i mean you uh -huh. may have you may literally have you know 100 people or more involved in some of these investments to you know majority of them as limited partners, but then a group as the general part. So it's, I think, a great sort of topic here to discuss and, and bring up, and I'm glad that you did. But it's just, I think a lot of people from the outside probably see it daunting and think, you know, I can, I can never buy an apartment complex. How do you do that? And it's like, well, how you do it is by bringing in a whole bunch of other people to help you. I and mean, really, that's kind of what it comes down to. You had a couple of people that I was working with asked me, that, man, how did you get into that? What kind of money did you bring in? And I told them straight up, I said, I'm broke. I ain't got no money. <laughs> yeah. I ain't got no money. I'm broke. And I said, it's, it's a collaboration. You know, as we was looking for deals and we couldn't find anything, I thought we was doing something wrong. And what I typically like to do is I like to find a root cause of why something's not working. I was just an engineer mind. And what came down to the issue was, unfortunately, a big part of that is the market, because the individual that we partner with in Phoenix, they have billions of dollars in assets under management. And I talked to them and I said, hey, you know, what is it that I'm potentially doing wrong or what's 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 going on in your end that's not working? And when he told me that they used to have a deal flow. I don't remember the exact number, but it was a deal flow of like a hundred or something just coming in constantly that dropped down to below 20. Right. And I said, so if these big guys are having issues with getting deals and I'm a little person for now in the market, then I know it's not a hundred percent me doing something wrong. It's just an unfortunate situation. So you have to kind of tweak on how you have to get into these deals. And when we find these deals, I told the people that was asking me about the money. I just find other people that are looking for returns. We make sure that we can get the returns for them. We focus on making sure that they get their money. We focus on making sure we operate the property in such a way that is going to be beneficial for the investors. And we bring those people in together. And, you know, for, for our team, that's what we've been doing across the map, either Ohio, Texas, Georgia, Arizona, which is kind of the markets that were kind of spread in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so true. Um, Ray, I want to switch gears. I want to ask you the questions I get to ask every guest. And so uh, the first one is, is based on the name of the show being know your why I like to ask everybody. So what is your why? What, what drives you, you know, kind of you, you, uh, you have a, you have a career as an engineer, you know, you're successful. You could so probably pretty easily just stick with that. But what um, what drives you 
towards, you know, sort of your shirt says be infinite. So what, what's your, uh, what's your why? Man, I just want to drive fast cars and travel. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, that's a, that's a little, that's a little small portion of it, but you know, so when I was younger, my dad passed away when I was seven. So basically I kind of had to become the man of the household pretty early. Had a stepdad error that wasn't too fun. That's a whole nother story. And it was just me and my mom in the household, basically. And so I did any and everything to take care of my mom. I started working early as I could, which at the time, the law would only allow you to work at 16 unless, of course, you knew somebody. You was working for him at 14 or something. I started working uh, as a dishwasher. And then I basically have been working ever since then. (laughs) So 16, I was working. Hurricane Katrina even came at one point. I was trying to go clean up a FEMA. They was making seven, eight hundred dollars a month, a week. And I wanted to bring in money for my mom. I wanted to help her out. I wanted to get her out of the lifestyle that we was in because she did the best that she could. And I was trying to change our family paradigm by getting more money, by trying to learn this thing we call life and make a better life for her because she's been through so much. So the main focus was to to help my mom out. And now my wife, who basically has earned that right as my wife to be part of my why, to be like, look, she's from a different part of the country where they had a bunch of war and stuff over there where the financial area or the financial household wasn't in order like it should have been same way for my household. And so that's kind of why I do things. I do, I do things for them. I don't, you know, there are times I always, you know, look for stuff for me because I have a limit on how much of me I'm going to give to others. Cause I need to make sure that I'm good before I just try to give all my energy to everybody else. And that's kind of what I do. You know, I help my mom understand finance and she's, she's been following my advice and gotten, you know, more credit cards and higher limits and she's understanding it. She's been happy. You know, she's, she's had issues with her health, with diabetes and stuff. I've been able to help, you know, bring her, her diabetes to a point where she doesn't have to take insulin no more based on her, her, the food she eat and how she work out. So everything I do is for them. Every single thing I do is for them. And the only time that I ask from them to let me have my peace is if I want to play video games, drive fast cars and travel. <laughs> That's all I ask. Everything else, y'all can go buy whatever. You can go do this and go do that. Just when it's time for me to have my peace, let me do that. And that's basically what I what my why is there. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Um tell us something, tell us something about yourself that, that maybe isn't common knowledge, special special skill, hobby, uh, anything that you're comfortable sharing. Just basically want to let the listeners know you a little better. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty blunt. This is probably why I get along with people from New York more than I do down south. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, you know, the, the people, some people down south don't really take real information lightly. So just know that if you do ask me questions, I'm going to tell you like it is. If you ask for advice, I'm going to tell you like it is. If you don't like it, then don't ask me a question. <laughs> so it's plain simple as that. Uh, the other thing I would say is I would say I'm pretty gifted at understanding a concept easier than others than the average person so when i started airbnb the reason i didn't physically get into airbnb is because i wanted to understand how the business worked on the outside because if i wanted to continue to build a portfolio which right now outside of the airbnb i own also managed 20 uh, a 20 portfolio airbnb for another person so i wanted to understand that business on the the higher level side and 
that's like my superpower. I'll I'll literally sit back and stalk what somebody's doing or watch what they're doing. Let's use that as more of an appropriate term. I'll watch what they're doing and then I will basically ask them questions. I'll be like, so you did that this way. So that means you're going to end up doing that. And I'll just tie the pieces together. In my mind, it's like the little the little red wire board that they use on like the criminal mind shows and stuff like that. So it's, that's kind of how my mind operates. I'm able to put down, put together a process that I can even explain to somebody else and dumb it down to where a five-year-old kid can come out and do the business. So it's kind of like a superpower for me to, to, to kind of make things complex or make a complex situation easier. Yeah. Awesome. Um, my wife's Southern, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and I'm from, I'm from Boston. So we have, <laughs> I, know <laughs> so the, know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, when, uh, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Now, they can reach out to me on social media. You know, Real Estate with Ray is the handle on most of my social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. I got my YouTube channel. I actually go through my journey from when I started in real estate and kind of giving advice and educating other people on how to get into this business. Uh, you can see my TikTok as well. My TikTok, I'm trying to, I'm pushing to get to 20,000 followers. I'm at 19. So nice. we're we pushing to get to 20,000 followers. So real estate with Ray is a handle. They can reach out to me there. I respond to everybody. So Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, final question for you, Ray. Uh, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is trying to get started in real estate? They hear your story here. They're inspired and they want to know, you know, what, what's the next step? What, what do you think they should do? So you're going to have to do something you don't like. I personally, I don't mind working and I do it because I have to. I don't care to do it because I would rather be doing something that I want to do. So I would suggest you definitely get your financial household in order. So there's less stress when it comes to dealing with bills, because if you have stress with bills, you're not going to make anything work in real estate. There are a few people that are built different to where they do make that happen by force. But when you also have the uncertainties of the market going against you, like right now, it's best to have a, a stable income coming in and work on that side gig while you can. And so you need to make sure that you have that together. So then that your 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 financial household doesn't take a toll on your mental capabilities because that will affect you heavily. When you look and you see that bill saying, you know, bill is past due, or you look and see a truck outside coming to tow your car away, which has happened to me some years ago, saying that, you know, basically your car got repoed, then you will make sure your financial household is in order so you don't uh, stress out trying to do this business. This is, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what number as far as recording goes, but getting close to 250 episodes, no one has ever said that before. Like a lot of, a lot of similar answers. No one has ever said that before as far as the um, advice. And it might be the best advice <laughs> that, that uh, anyone has ever given as far as an answer to that question, because it's, it's, gosh, it's like, it's so true. It's just, you know, I get like, we all want, we all want to take action on that's sort of the entrepreneurial spirit, but, but you're so right. Like you need to make sure that, you know, sort of the back office, your house is, is in order and you, you know, that will give you the foundation that you need to, to sort of then have that, 
confidence that you can go do that in a business as well. So um, I really love right. that. I think that was that was a great, uh, great piece. Yeah, most to- most of the people that I know now that are doing good in business, like even the guy in Arizona, he started in sales. He was working a job. He had to he he saved up money, started, and then he ended up going back because he ran out of savings. So he ended up going back there. And you know, when you're doing that business on the side for the period of time and you're working a job and you only have money to pay for your bills, the best value you can get, because technically you're still broke, the best value you can give is is your your time to people. And that's how I ended up kind of growing in a lot of stuff and been able to work with people to manage this big portfolio and people reach out to me for help because they see the hustle in the ground I put in the time I put in until the point I can really instill a ton of capital to a particular deal. You gotta, that, that's how you, <laughs> that's how you basically give value when you're broke, you give the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You have, those are one of the two, May I mean, really probably three main value adds that you can have as a person, either you have capital, you have time, or you have a skill, right? Those are kind of the three things. And you may have all of them, but most people are lucky to have one, but just figure out which one it is that you have and, uh, and, and lean on it, use it, use it to, to, you know, sort of propel yourself forward and, and acquire the others. So um, yeah, really, I mean, Truly great piece of advice there, Ray. Thank you for that. Um, and and thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your story. I really do appreciate it. I think um, people are going to get a lot of value out of this episode. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I appreciate you having me on here again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, folks listening, I, I know you're going to get a ton of value out of this. Please like, rate, and review the show uh, so we can have more great guests like Ray come on in the future. Thank you all for listening. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.